0: unique yet common sense opinions on sports this is jeff allen sports talk and we wish you happy new year welcome to 2020 first podcast of the brand new year gonna make a lot of new year's references during this show apparently (laughs) thank you so much for listening glad to have you on board and uh We will do some favorite moments of the decade. That seems to be a popular thing uh, going around the media circles these days. So I'll give you a few of mine, as well as we pop the champagne on another year. And before I get to those favorite moments, enjoy that nice fizz of the champagne touch on some other topics beforehand. First, um, as I'm prone to do from time to time, I will uh, occasionally pop out some announcer reviews. And because uh, I've seen some things lately that kind of got me thinking, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Let me uh, let me uh, throw out some opinions as far as that goes. And I picked three guys. And uh, first up, it's going to be two... Well, one negative, one in the middle, and one really positive. So, trying to bring some positivity to the New Year. So, we will start with the negative one. Bill Walton. Now, I love Bill Walton. (laughs) You know, he's always been an entertaining guy. But what they've done with him on ESPN has just totally gotten out of control. It's, welcome to the Bill Walton Show. And he'll crack a bunch of jokes. And... Oh, by the way, we uh, have a basketball game here. uh, USC leads UCLA 20 to 15. Now back to Bill. And it just goes on and on. And they constantly put the camera on him and Dave Pash. It's like, okay. (sighs) People tune into games to watch the games. I don't know how many times I had to repeat this. Announcers, you know, they might help draw depending on, you know, who they are and what they do. But by and large, people are there for the game. Let's keep the game in the forefront. His ESPN colleague, Pat McAfee, now on, kind of on the fence on Pat. It's pretty interesting. You know, he's definitely a different dude. Nothing wrong with that. And in believe me, uh, you know, as I get older, I try not to, you know, stay in my staunch, stodgy ways of, oh, it's always got to be this way. And Pat McAfee's a funny guy. Definitely has his own style. And most of the time, I enjoy it. Does he go a little over the top? Sure. Um, you could probably dial it back a little bit. It was interesting that they uh, had brought him in on the college game day, program once uh maria taylor started doing nba stuff so they kind of brought him in and it was a little gimmicky it just kind of to me doesn't really kind of fit what the game day thing is but as far as you're doing games and things like that and i like the fact you know he he talks about the brand with the kickers and everything like that that's pretty cool stuff so dope. like i said i think he could bring it back just a touch it's a little, you know, I know he he worked at Barstool for a while, so that's, a, you know, a, a big part of his shtick. But overall, I think, mean, you know, I, I would say I would lean a little more positive towards him than negative, but s- still somewhat on the fence. As far as positive goes, how about the great Kevin Harlan? <laughs> so, Kevin Harlan, one, just calling a game straight up, is, is a fantastic play-by-play guy. Uh, love hearing him during uh, the NCAA March Madness, NFL. Does the NBA? He's he's terrific, and he's managed to carve out another niche, calling the unusual. You know, the first one was the drunk fan on the field on a Monday night football game, as he called that guy. He's got his shirt off. He's running down there. <laughs> And, and, you know, and that's very funny for radio. At least on, you know, TV when they have an interruption like that and now they don't they don't show those, but they can they can put the camera off to other sides and and whatnot. And on radio, you got to fill the time. So uh, the next one was the earlier this season and was also Monday night radio the infamous black cat that made his appearance in the Cowboys-Giants game at the Meadowlands. He's at the three, the two. He's in the Sherwin williams red zone. <laughs> and it's a touchdown. Very fun stuff. So, and just when you think he can't top it, he goes out and does it again. This time on TV. As the Chiefs were playing the Chargers... You know, playoff seeding was in the balance. They needed a win. And they needed the Miami Dolphins to beat the New England Patriots. So they could uh, claim a first round bye. So as New England's getting set to kick a field goal and pretty much put their game away, Kevin Harlan is doing play-by-play of that game. And simultaneously the Miami-New England game, calling the Fitzpatrick to Gusecki touchdown, just like he was there, (laughs) which was great because, you know, think about this too, that was not a national game he was doing, uh, NFL very regional on the last uh, week of the season, especially in the one o'clock window, so... That game is you know, pr- pretty much you know, broadcast in the, the, Kansas, the Kansas City-San Diego game is the West Coast and in the surrounding areas of Missouri, in Missouri and Kansas City country, if you will. So the fact he's updating them on that, kind of being a, 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 a mini red zone for that audience, great, well done. Have no problem with that whatsoever. And uh, big thumbs up to Kevin Harlan on that. Some notable deaths in the world of sports this week as we turn into the new year. First, we'll start off with David Stern. I had mentioned a few weeks ago on this podcast when he had his brain hemorrhage back on December 17th. You know, what David Stern did in his 30-year run of the NBA as its commissioner just totally unrivaled except by maybe one man i would say pete rosell in the national football league the nfl you see today is largely due to what pete rosell did having that game explode in the in the in the 70s and, and 80s under his watch and david stern did likewise in his 30-year run in the nba you know bird of magic had already come in by the time you know he was the you know, they had already played a couple seasons but he started them that marquee of the of the superstars. And then Michael Jordan arrived. And the NBA flourished in popularity. He brought the dream team, pros in the Olympics, the greatest basketball team ever assembled, the 92 men's basketball team at the Olympics. And he made the NBA a global brand. And... What he has done has opened up, and you look at all these superstar players that come from other countries now. You wouldn't see the Doncic and the uh, uh, guys like that, Nowitzki, all these superstars from around the world. And those countries elevated their play based on the NBA players being in the Olympics. So, David Stern, may he rest in peace. And as I have mentioned more than once on this program, you know, when you talk about the growth of the NBA in the 80s and they added the four teams, or they add, you know, Minnesota and Miami and your Orlando Magic. Why am I blanking on the fourth team all of a sudden? (laughs) Vancouver at the time, I believe. So, you look at that... Correction, it was Charlotte that made it into the NBA along with Miami, Minnesota, and Orlando. Get that record set straight. And you think about the Orlando Magic. You know, Pat Williams coming on board was certainly a huge boost to the credibility of that. And I believe David Stern... As I've mentioned on this show before, he uh, came on WKIS with Chris Russo. I was Chris's producer, and was getting Mr. Stern ready to go on the air, you know, he asked me, you know, how I think, or Orla- you know, the NBA would do in Orlando. Was totally floored by that, and obviously, I said, "Oh, this is going to be great!" You know, I'm like, a tw- I'm like 20 years old at the time. love the NBA. I'm a you know Laker fan at the time, and. Had been a fan throughout the seventies, and just the fact that he took the time to ask that question, so you know, this is a guy that did his did his homework, and whether you know, you know, my opinion to him at the time, and you would have never ever remembered it. You know, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a uh, scale tipper like I wanted to be, but. I'm sure he asked many, many people. Same with Minnesota. And, this, and with the Charlotte Hornets. And Miami. Miami, you know, was certainly, because that market had professional sports, was pretty much a shoe-in. And only three teams were going to get in at that time. So Miami thought to be a shoot in and was thought to be the other two spots would have to be fought among the other three. Minnesota had some professional sports experience, but they, you know, had lost a hockey team. And, and Charlotte had not had any professional experience. And then you think of that growth and everything that David Stern did. As I said, probably the, the, him and Pete Rozelle, the two greatest commissioners ever in professional sports. Also passing away January 1st, Don Larson, New York Yankee pitcher whose legend was grown from pitching a perfect game in the 1956 World Series. Think about that. A perfect game in the World Series. He is the one and only man that's ever, ever done that. And that. Makes him extremely famous. His exploits of that are in the Hall of Fame. He is not a member of the Hall of Fame. He was like 81 and 91 career-wise as a pitcher. Played for several different teams. And I learned today that he had was involved like in, a, in an 18-player trade. That's how he ended up on the Yankees. And then later, when he was traded from the Yankees, part of that deal was for Roger Maris who also became a record setter. So Don Larson, you know, I put that up there with uh, the Johnny Vandermeer back-to-back no-hitters. Now, Larson's probably is more obtainable for somebody, but it's hard to throw a perfect game, let alone in the playoffs, let alone in the World Series. So you think about that, Especially in today's game, it's you know you get no hitters every so often just because of the free swinging, you know, guys aren't concerned about striking out anymore. so you probably get some get some no hitters of a little more frequency of late. But you know when you're in the playoffs in the World Series, you're you're playing the best of the best and throwing a perfect game in a World Series that's going to be hard for somebody else to achieve. And also coming word today that Sam Weish, former Cincinnati Bengals head coach, he also coached the Bucks for a few seasons, has passed away. And Sam Weish led the Bengals to a Super Bowl appearance. That incredible game against the San Francisco 49ers in which Joe Montana led them down the field to victory. And One of the things that has circulated today, one of the great Sam Weiss classic moments, apparently the fans were a little bit unruly that day in 1989. I believe it was early December. Throwing objects on the field, and Sam Weiss actually took to the microphone to encourage them to stop that. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland! You don't in Six <laughs> yeah, don't live in Cleveland! That was so awesome. Oh, what a, what a fantastic. <laughs> That's one of the best of all time. And Sam Weiss was certainly a top flight. NFL head coach, former player, and uh, our condolences also go to him and his family as well. All right, let's brighten things up a little bit. Talk about a few of my favorite moments of the decade. I will warn you in advance, it's a little UCF heavy. Because my other teams haven't done so much. But anyway, I digress. So, Some of my favorite moments of the decade will trace back to uh, UCS 2013 season. A opening uh, victory at Penn State. They would only lose to South Carolina that season. They would go to the Fiesta Bowl and beat Baylor, winning a, at the time, a BCS Bowl. But nonetheless, a huge notch and the first big-time appearance of UCF Knights football, which then they will not only replicate, but probably even make better in the 2017 season, culminating with a 2018 Peach Bowl win over the Auburn Tigers at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in at Atlanta. It was such, so great to be there that game. Actually, I should go back to 2013. One thing I did leave out was the J.J. Wharton catch, the one-hander in the back of the end zone against Temple. That was a big part of their season then. Other things that uh, I, I found interesting in the decade, and these are more recent, but the two years ago, UMBC becoming the first 16 seed to beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament in Virginia. I totally loved that. I take the first two days of the tournament off from work every year, have been doing it for, I've lost count of how many years. And the big thing is wanting to see a 16 beat a one. And it never happened. I believe the field expanded in 84 to the... 64 teams and all number one seeds were undefeated against number 16s until that day. Not only did UMBC pull the upset, they pretty much blew them out. And so to piggyback on that, another favorite moment of the decade is Virginia actually coming back the next season to win the NCAA championship. Think about the embarrassment they took from losing to a 16 seed and then coming back last season, the very next season, to win the NCAA championship. And Tony Bennett worked hard for that. And he stayed classy through that whole ordeal and really showed his players something, I think. Speaking of last year's tournament, that also came down to being one of my favorite moments, the UCF-Duke game. Aubrey Dawkins tipping the ball back in off the B.J. Taylor miss, and it rolls off the rim. Oh. You know, how many times have you seen that on film over and over again? You still expect the ball to go in. I still expect B.J.'s shot to go in initially. So it was quite a quite a great year for UCF basketball last year. Just that close to knocking off a blue blooded NCAA team and getting to the Sweet Sixteen. Just so close. All right, let's talk some NFL. And how about Ant <laughs> Antonio Brown dude shut up you know and I don't say this to belittle people who might have bipolar disorder but he shows all the signs he's ripping people one minute next minute he's apologizing and telling me, hey you guys are great then he goes right back and rips them again So he calls his tryout with the New Orleans Saints a sham that they did as a publicity stunt. You think Sean Payton has that kind of time to worry about a publicity stunt when they're clearly a playoff team and a very good team without him? You think Sean Payton's got that kind of time? Yeah, I don't think so. It's like this guy somebody needs to take his phone away, keep him off Twitter, confiscate his laptop, his desktop, anything that he could possibly do to keep him off of social media. you know, I really hope the guy gets help gets his gets his self right. So Jason Garrett is still the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, you know what? I haven't checked in a while. Let me uh, let me check the headlines real quick just to make sure. Because that would be a headline. Nope. He's still the coach of the Cowboys as of this recording on Thursday, January 2nd at 7.30 p.m. This is going to be the longest breakup in the history. Now, is Jerry going to let his contract run out in, what, 12 days? Just so he doesn't go through the indignity of being fired? And I know Jason Garrett is very near and dear to his heart. And I think nobody wants Jason Garrett to succeed more than Jerry Jones. I think this is a very much a father-son type relationship that they have. And Personally, I like Jason Garrett. I have rooted hard for Jason Garrett. I've wanted Jason Garrett to be successful as a Cowboys fan. But nine years and very little to show for it as far as playoff appearances, and they've all been brief. And the multitude of eight and eight records with scores of talent on the roster. You know, Todd Wright, when he was on our show, had. Kind of mentioned that he thought Jerry was kind of holding him so he can't get the New York Giants job. I I wouldn't worry about that. Worry about your own team, not about where your guy's going to go and deal with your competition. Worry about your own business. So we'll see how long this lasts. It keeps Cowboys in the headlines, that's for sure. I think they were supposed to have a third meeting today. And again, I've seen no details on that as of yet. No breaking news on ESPN's bottom line yet. So Jason Garrett, still employed by the Dallas Cowboys. Meanwhile, one of their bitter rivals has their new head coach, the Washington Redskins. Taking Ron Rivera on. And it sounds like he's getting some power in the deal. More than just on the field. Very interesting uh, how this all came about. You know, Dan Snyder has finally parted ways with Bruce Allen, who ran his football operations for ten years and very poorly at that. And I'm thinking, Ron Rivera, you can't be that desperate, can you? When you know the Cowboys job is open, which he interviewed for before, many years ago. The Giants job open, the Browns job open, although the Browns, we'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> Washington or Cleveland? Uh, neither. <laughs> but Ron Rivera gets the job in D.C., He has now brought on Jack Del Rio to be his defensive coordinator, a former head coach in his own right at two stops in Jacksonville and Oakland. But we shall see how this transpires. Dwayne Haskins is said to have been the draft pick by the owner who was once very close with another quarterback, CRG3. And... I don't know. I just find that very puzzling. Because I think of all the candidates out there, Ron Rivera could have had his choice. But he's going with the Redskins. Good luck, sir. Now, as far as who will coach the Cleveland Browns, again, that's another job. Why would you want that job? Jimmy Haslam is the owner of that franchise I mean, he's almost as bad as Dan Snyder. And I know you probably think, no, what about Jerry Jones? Man, Jerry Jones certainly has his problems as being an owner. One, employing himself as his general manager, <laughs> first and foremost. But I also think Jerry tries a heck of a lot harder and at least has learned to try to give things a chance to unfold. The Cleveland Browns, though, what a what a terrible franchise they have become. They're an embarrassment. And they just keep changing direction. Let's change our office. Let's change our coach on the field. Let's do this as little as that. You know, they go into this season being hyped as a potential Super Bowl contender. And they fell flat on their face. And the biggest You know, why they went with Freddie Kitchens. Yes, I am going to be a broken record. You've heard me say this before. Greg Williams is the one who turned that team around. Last year as the interim head coach. He's the guy who got it done. And you don't let a team full of. I don't know, weird personalities or you know, guys who only care about themselves like Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield you know how often have you seen it where the you know the quarterback wants his guy to be the head coach and i think Baker Mayfield was probably listened to way more than he should have been by the ownership and that's why they went with Freddie Kitchens you don't do that because your quarterback no longer has accountability when his buddy becomes the coach. And Baker Mayfield regressed mightily in year number two. And if he keeps that up, he might end up living under the stadium like he does in the uh, TV commercials. Because he's not performing well in the field. You can't challenge fans to come down and say, say, stuff to your face and a guy is just totally immature every time i you think he's going to take a step forward he finds a way to take two steps backwards making Colin Cowherd seems smart which don't get me started on that all right so wildcard card weekend in the national football league this weekend Here we go. Saturday. The Buffalo Bills, Houston Texans, 435 on ESPN. This is an interesting matchup. I have a hard time getting a read on the Texans. Buffalo, by and large, their defense does a great job. Josh Allen is improved. It's a hard game to pick. But if you ha- if I have to make a pick, I'm probably going with the Bills. The eight fifteen game on CBS on Saturday has the six seed Tennessee at New England, who did not want to play this weekend. I kind of like Tennessee in this game now. I know conventional wisdom is don't bet against New England until somebody actually takes them down in a playoff situation. But they haven't played wild card weekend in a very long time. So, to me, and Tennessee's been playing very, very well the latter part of the season with the reinvented Ryan Tannehill. So that's the AFC square-offs on Saturday. On Sunday, the NFC takes center stage. Minnesota at New Orleans, 105 on Fox. Hmm. Methinks the Saints want some uh, <laughs> revenge on that uh, Stephon Diggs Hail Mary from a couple of years ago. Saints are at home. They are tough to beat there at the Dome. So I would have to lean towards the Saints. Minnesota, they have the kind of defense that could try to slow down the Saints. But again, I think the home team on that one. And then you have the 440 game on NBC Seattle against Philadelphia. So Seattle is the wild card, has to go on the road. The Eagles get a home game, winning the dreadful NFC East. And my take was that no matter who won the NFC East, they were going to be one and done in the wild card round, and I don't see any reason to change that. I think the Seahawks will be moving on. And interesting thing, you know, I was thinking about the NFL playoffs as well, the Green Bay Packers, a team nobody's talking about. Right? Think about what the Packers have done this season. They've won 13 games. 13-3. and three. But you hear people talk about Aaron Rodgers and you'd think they were, you know, limping along with Trent Dilfer, a quarterback. <laughs> you know, percentage, Completion percentage is down. But they just keep winning. And they've built a heck of a defense this year. And I don't know about you, but even in a lesser season, and his numbers are still insanely good regardless. I mean, he doesn't throw interceptions. So you think about that. And at the end of the day, wait, he's got 26 TDs, four interceptions. Been sacked a lot, 36 times, but still over 4,000 yards. And a meager 62%. Good news for the Packers he played all 16 games this year. And he's one of those guys. Who do you want with the ball? at the end of the game to win. Aaron Rodgers is definitely right up there in the Tom Brady conversation as far as I am concerned. And the college football playoff. Oh, the hype has already begun on ESPN. Obviously, this is their property. This is their Super Bowl. So they are going all out. LSU and Clemson for the national title I'll go to a limb and say the Tigers will win I'm not the first guy to make that joke but just the latest and the amount of time between the semifinals and the championship game is over two weeks that can't that can't happen that can't happen and all these bowl games that are taking place. You know, they've messed up New Year's Day. But ESPN, you know, watching the Cincinnati, Boston College, Birmingham Bowl earlier today. Halftime, boy, the lead right into breaking down LSU and Clemson. Guys, we've got a lot of time for that to be done. You yeah, know, no, let's not talk about the game that people are watching. Let's talk about the one a week and a half from now. And one last thing on college football Dr. Pepper, for the love of God, please get rid of the Fansville campaign. <laughs> it's dumb. Bring back Larry Culpepper, the vendor that invented the college football playoff. That was way more entertaining. Had lots more possibilities. The Fansville stuff is just plain, outright weird. All right, well, that's about going to do it for this particular episode. As always, I please invite you to follow me on Twitter at Allen underscore 88, and I will follow you back. And don't forget to uh, check out my other podcast, the AAC Reports. That's available to you on the Nightline Sports Network. It, of course, is also on many of the platforms that uh, this podcast is on, whether it be Google, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Make sure you check that out, as well as the uh, other shows on the Nightline Sports Network. Uh, Great entertainment there for you as well. And once again, we wish you a very happy new year, and may 2020 be super prosperous for you. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. L-V-E dot net.